0: memory. And then, just,
1: Alex, if you don't agree, you'll be sent to a re-education camp.
0: Just because I'm old doesn't mean I've lost my touch with the ladies. A lot of people here tonight feel like they lost. You know what?
1: Welcome to the Hypothetical Institute, a podcast about conspiracies. My name is Luke. I'm Salt. I'm Cam. Gentlemen, how are we? I say insincerely because I've just been speaking to you for like an hour before we recorded this. Yeah. Probably, no, don't, probably don't. this is like the first thing we say to each other. So I'm actually learning how you are. I know how you are. You're uh, just as cooked as usual. Yep. Don't pull back the curtain. Cam. No, they, they'll they be able to tell that something's off. Why? The, the the Hypothesis Squad, they'll be listening. They'll be like, something
2: doesn't seem right. And I'm not going to lie to them like you would. I yeah. would never lie to the Hypothesis Squad, Cam. <laughs> <laughs> what are we talking about? Uh, hey, by the way, I'm great. Thank you, everyone out there. Salty, how are you going? Uh, I'm doing great. Really yeah? good. Yeah, yeah, excellent. I'm doing fine. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, we know I,
3: so.
1: Item number one, we've decided to call you the Squad. Oh, we were just going to let it slide it on in there and not and just pretend we'd been doing it all the time, I think. Item number two, we are going to be talking about another mythical lost continent that is massively racist. Uh, <laughs> this is
2: the most racist one, right?
1: Yeah, well, not to harp on about it, but, like, all of these ones where there was, they're like, oh, there was, like, these white people... <laughs> That actually did everything you thought the brown people did. Just FYI, they're all racist. And fair enough, like in the what 1880s, like it's okay to be a little bit racist. Uh, is the official Luke Robertson stance on this? I think is that something I've said in the past? <laughs> no. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just distancing myself from it. Racism was more acceptable in the 1880s. More acceptable uh, than
2: when? If you still, if you still, going, it's pretty acceptable.
1: Yeah, if you're still going on about this stuff today, though, like that's super racist. At least they had the excuse of being stupid people in the past. If you're still going on about it now, you're just a stupid person in the present. I don't know. Mm. Mm. We're talking about the Lost Continent of Moo. Uh,
2: good call. No one's, got a, no one's got a song for this? <laughs> Go on. <You laughs> no, I don't. I don't. I wanted to, but I didn't.
1: Uh, good call on... You know, originally this was like Moo, like a cow, says. <laughs> yes. Like when it first pops up, that's what they, they're like, oh, it's the lost continent of Moo. And at some point someone was like, we need to change this to MU.
2: It sounds more occult
1: and less stupid.
2: Yeah, so that was uh, so. there's like two guys that have pushed this, right? Yep. And the first one, Augustus Lee P- Piengion. Isn't Excuse it? My pr- isn't it Plongian? <laughs> it's Plongian. Sorry. Excuse me. <laughs> um, and he was like, oh, these are all, it's like a Mayan thing, right? And it's in that part of the world, South America and Latin America. And that's where this whole thing was happening. And that's was the Mu part, wasn't it? And am I right in that?
1: Yeah. He 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 came up with uh, like this this Mu thing. He claimed like the, the Yucatan civilization, was involved in this, uh, he got it from like some misspelling in some other book.
2: Uh, that's right. It's uh, Queen Mu and the Egyptian Sphinx was the name of his work, which is about this, and it was Mu M-O-O.
1: But, yeah, at some point they, they said it on the MU. And, but his thing was like it was just Atlantis. Yeah, yeah. But he, he was going with the, with the name Mu
2: instead. Uh, it was uh, James Churchwood who I think he must have changed it to MU. Smart old James Churchwood. Uh, And he changed the location of it. He said it was in the Pacific Ocean. Basically, Cam, I think you want to watch the same video as I did because it was some guy talking about uh, Moo and he just talked about how, like, everyone there was super attractive and they had black hair just like the guy talking did. (laughs) And they were were white just like the guy talking was. (laughs) And uh, I think he's called them exceedingly handsome. White people with straight black hair. Uh, he said some of the people on the continent weren't white, but they weren't any good. <laughs> they weren't in power. Uh, 64 million people, apparently.
1: Yeah. 64 million uh, super attractive white people just mucking around on an island. Well, it was a continent. It's not just an island. It's not like uh, this tiny little Atlantis. Although we've seen some maps. So th- this James Churchwood guy, he had a map of the world. Hmm. And uh, I feel like these guys were just like, like maybe they just couldn't conceive of there being that much ocean, because they're like they've got their map of Africa and North America and Europe, and they're like, there's all of this room in the middle that doesn't seem right. There must be just there must have just been something there, right? Let's just fill that in. And then <laughs> they've also they they're like, well, we've got all this space on the other side. Uh, in the Pacific Ocean, that doesn't seem right either. Let's chuck a big moo in there. But, like, between South America and Africa, they were like, no, that's just the ocean. There wouldn't be anything there. <laughs> so I don't, I don't really um, understand why some bits had to be filled in and
2: some didn't. I saw a uh, a, f- uh, a picture of how Earth looks if you're just looking at the Pacific Ocean from space. Yeah, if you're looking at the Pacific Ocean from space, so you can Google this if you like, you basically see nothing. You just see ocean. mm like it's that big that it takes up. I don't know what do you call that the thing you can see from space the side, yeah the <laughs> the math name for whatever that is, uh, which you know it's pretty cool because you never see you know you always see it full of planets from space never just the ocean full, full of land land of, oh, sorry land yeah, um, yeah thought that was cool interesting thing to look at, mm. so yeah Churchwood, uh Egypt,
1: Greece, Central America, India, Burma, and like just any other country felt like Easter Island. They all came from Mu, like bit, that was the common origin of the, all of those civilizations. Mm. And part of his proof for that is that they have these common symbols that you can find in their their artwork, oh, uh, which are birds. He's like, <laughs> all of these guys, like, what's going on here? That all of these civilizations have got like pictures of birds. That doesn't seem right,
2: does it? It's like, are you kidding me? If there's one animal species, it, you'd expect everyone to have access to seeing. It's the birds. bloody bird. And birds are, you know, if you're drawing a rudimentary picture of a bird, it's always kind of going to look similar. Like, you know, from a, a pigeon right up to a great eagle. Yeah. It's going to look pretty similar once you draw it in stick figure style.
3: Yeah. A
2: couple the wings,
3: other, bit of a body.
2: Yeah. Um, so there was also a theory that it was in the Indian ocean as well, but it was called something different. It was called Lemuria. Did you come across this one? Anyone? Yeah. So Lemuria heard that name before.
1: we've talked about, uh, because Lemuria comes into the, uh, theosophical concepts we've discussed in terms of like the, uh, the, the root races, the Lemurians were one of the ones that came before, uh, the Aryans. Mm. Yep.
3: Uh, Do you know? Uh, can I just say, the root races sounds like a <laughs> like a rural Australian event for singles. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it it does. happens near Alice Spring every year.
2: <laughs>
1: I think that this is as you know, the Theosophical Society has sort of fallen out of favour with the younger generations, mm. and especially in outback Australia. You yeah. you very at the Ute muster, you rarely hear anyone talking about Theosophy. But right. this could be an opportunity for them to bring it back
2: with a little bit of root race gear. Everyone's they,
3: cutting it up BNS style.
2: Yeah. <laughs> what they need to do is get people with, you know, big, like, giant heads to represent each of the root races. Yeah. Yeah, they they put on the mask or the heads and then they they root race. Yeah. Get to the end, turn around, sculler beer. <laughs> <laughs> and you've got, yeah, the Denny Ute Master. It's perfect. It's the perfect thing for the Danny Ute Master. Yeah. Can we get, I don't know, who's in charge of that? Lee Kernigan. Can we get him on the phone? <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, Lee Kernigan, we just want to talk to you about re- reviving theosophy in rural Australia.
3: We've got an event. The, the working title is The Root Race. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I feel like we've got a little off track. Apologies to our international listeners because <laughs> none of that made any sense. <laughs> yeah, this, but don't feel too bad because it barely made sense to Australians. <laughs> all you need
3: to do is go watch the music video for Cutting it, Up it a Style by the Sunny Cowgirls and it'll all make sense.
2: Tap your toes, enjoy the song. It's a banger. <laughs> yes. Um. So Lemuria, do you guys know how it was named? Uh, was it named after lemurs? Yeah, yeah. So basically, right. Madagascar has quite a lot of different animals that aren't found in Africa but are found in India, mm. and I think lemurs are one of them. But Madagascar, as we know
1: from the, the
2: film Madagascar, yeah, yeah. Mm. <laughs> uh, I wish I knew more about the film Madagascar, but I don't. I know I they have thought, that song.
1: I know. I know that it's got some troublesome lemurs in it. Although oh, well, they're, they're always getting into scrapes.
2: Yeah. Classic.
1: And the other thing we know about Madagascar, of course, is that uh, if you don't get your bloody virus in there, they'll just shut down their port. Yeah. Mm. And you'll never take it, you'll never wipe out the world. The um, Just a little shooey. That's a reference. Yeah. What's that game, Pandemic? <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, we've made that reference like four times in the, in the podcast yeah. before.
1: When the COVID was happening... When I saw the news report that COVID had arrived in Madagascar, I was like, oh, that's when I knew we were fucked. You knew that that
2: was, yeah, right. This is a good one. They finally they finally got a good one. Um, yeah, so you can't, so there's no lemurs in Africa, despite Madagascar being closer to Africa. It's, than it's right there. Yeah. So the, the theory is that there's this big continent uh, or landmass in between that connected India to Madagascar, and that was Lemuria. Hence the Lemurians, and uh, or you know this was, might have been Mu, or also that could be Atlantis. So yeah, so all of the like weird
1: Nazi um, occult stuff with Lemuria comes in after that. That was the original thing where he's like, "What's with all these lemurs? Mm. They <laughs> ch- they chuck the Nazi stuff on
2: later." Yeah, yeah. It, basically, the more we learned about how things moved and how there was continental drift with all the plates, yeah, you know, we worked out what actually happened.
1: Yeah, so. His, his theory was there must have been a landmass there, and he was right, but it wasn't the mythical land of Lemuria. It was the, It was Gondwana.
3: all yeah. the other ones. It
1: was the, it was the fact that, that they had all of these bits had been attached to each other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Can't explain the birds, though, can you?
1: No. Well, his, I have to say I do take issue with him being like, let's call this country Lemuria because of the lemurs. Why come up with a better name? I <laughs> He's guess a great name. Well, his name was Philip Sclater, so like he didn't have a lot to work with. Mm. You couldn't call it like Philtown or anything, Sclateria,
3: Sclaterville.
1: Yeah, none of that works. So I guess that that was like best, the best of a bad bunch. Oh, so Churchwood, here's the thing eventually, besides um, them spreading out across the world, they went down like overnight he reckons that there was just a series of earthquakes and volcanoes that went off and the whole
2: thing just went under, <laughs> underwater. Yeah, right. Um, which is kind of the theory for all of these, right? There can't be any other theories. Otherwise, they'd be evident. So it just has to happen overnight.
1: Yeah, I guess that's, yeah, that's how they sort of explain the fact that there's no one writing a letter being like, yeah, the, the countries, you know, our continents started to sink or no one got out. It's just that, yeah, the whole thing, there was volcanoes, there was earthquakes. I think he reckons, so there were all of these uh, granite, granite deposits on the island of Mu. And so there were all of these chambers filled with gas. And so when it went up, it went up.
2: All right. right. So I saw someone do the math on the weather. Yeah. Have you, got, you guys come across this one? No. no. Tell this us about is- the weather a YouTube called Alternate we- Alternate Weather Hub. So you're Alternate not going to find Jane Bunn on here. No, you're not going to find Jane Bunn. Uh, but the – so like you, you see Alternate Weather Hub and you think, oh, this is going to be cooked. They're talking about the late lost, you know, the continent of Mu. Um, and they started off by saying the Pacific Ocean is massive. And I'm like, yeah, no shit, Einstein. Have you, <laughs> <had> you <all laughs> into space? Yeah, good one. <laughs> who, who would even point that out? Um, but then he went down to break down like quite well, you know, if, if Moo actually existed, what that would do to weather patterns globally. Uh, and it was actually fascinating because he talked about, you know, the currents would change, the weather in Australia would, would change. Obviously there'd be a lot of displacement, water displacement, because there'd be a giant chunk of land in the middle of this giant ocean. Mm-hmm. Uh and yeah, I, I feel like I came away learning something interesting. So for what my initial judgment for alternate weather hub is being cooked, turns out people that point out the Pacific Ocean is massive are uh, very smart.
1: <laughs> uh, there you go yeah. Yeah I did I did come across so uh, one sort of alternate uh theory about moo mm-hmm. which came from uh, Max Heindel. The occultist, he was a Rosicrucian. I feel like we talked about the Rosicrucians a long time ago, right?
2: Yeah, they ring a bell. What's their deal?
1: I, th- I think it, at one point in this podcast, we were getting into like all of the different occult <laughs> <laughs> strains, and we must have done a thing on Rosicrucians. It's sort of um, like Christian occultism. Mm. Uh, if you, <laughs> I was. I was looking into it. And I was like, I have forgotten everything I ever learned about Rosicrucianism. Uh, I think that that was sort of like an alternate alternative to like the Illuminati and that sort of thing. It might have been a little bit made up. Like they they popped up and they're like, oh, we've got all of these, we've got all this history that you didn't know about because we went to another school when we were coming up with how the universe works. Into a Steiner school. I think, I think Steiner was involved as well. <laughs> really? Yeah.
2: That's probably a joke that we've made in the past. Anyway. Um, oh, yeah, he
1: was involved. <laughs> <laughs> so Max Max Heindel uh, wrote a book called The Rosicrucian Cosmo Conception, which uh, has a lot of information about how the world works. I feel like there's a bit of stuff in there about the different planes of existence, which might... Be uh, Which might be familiar to people who've heard me badly explain how the fifth dimension is supposed to work. Mm-hmm. But according to him, when the Earth's crust was hardening, there was a continent called Mu. Uh, as when there was a like high heat and dense atmosphere, there were humans on there. They could shape shift and they didn't have any eyes, they just had sensitive spots that were affected by the light of the sun. Mm hmm. And so you they know were what an eyes. Well, but no. With your eye, you are taking in visual information and processing it through your cortexes or whatever, mm. your, whatever your brain does. Mm. This is just like this is interpreting that information in a different way. It's a just photosensitive rather than actually taking in what's there. Mm. But uh, people were guided more by their internal perception than by external vision, and apparently their language was just the sounds of nature. So rather than like Robbo, for example, you might say something, for Mm. example, say something. Like what? Like, oh, oh, hello, boys, it's me, Robbo. Instead of that. I would would never say that. Instead of that, you might just go like, make a little bird noise, or you Mm. might go, A little cow noise. Or Hang might, on. Or you might make a little
2: noise, like just pshhh, the wind going through the through the trees. Hang on, Cam. I don't understand what you're trying to explain. You're saying they were affected by the sounds of nature. No, their language was the sounds of nature. Oh, their language was. Okay. I thought they just kind of navigated the world through that rather than their eyes.
1: Yeah. No, so that when they were, which I have to say. If your language is the sound, the sound of nature, so instead of being like, oh, hey, it's me, Ruby," you're going like, Brr, brrr, and you don't have eyes, how do you know that you're having a chat and you're not just listening to birds and things?
2: Yeah, you, you, you're like, man, this, my, my buddy has so many good ideas through his pigeon talk. Yeah. You're <laughs> really just chatting to a pigeon. Um, I'm going to hypothesize this, Cam. I'm going to robo this up, <laughs> seeing as if you, you've bloody been throwing shade on my accent.
1: Yeah. Uh, feel free to take issue with anything that Danish-American occultist Max Heindel came up with. No, I'm no, not- I'm
2: taking issue with your interpretation of it. <laughs> All right. My voice, our voices, everyone's voices are inherently the sound of nature anyway.
1: Oh, ho, ho, ho. Think
2: about it. It does feel mm-hmm. like you're taking
1: issue with Max Heindel rather than me. So <laughs> that's fine. I'm not that committed to this concept
3: myself. <laughs> it's not like our voices are a thing we manufactured, right? No.
1: Yeah. No. Well, I agree with you too, Robo. So it seems like we're all in agreement.
0: Yeah.
2: Mm. Mm. Um, so hang on. So they they navigated, they talked using the sounds of nature. They could shapeshift? Yes. Just but- shapeshift some eyes, dingbat. <laughs> yeah, how would you know what you'd shapeshifted into? <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, hey, Johnny, I've uh, I'm saying this as a pigeon or an eagle or a, a babbling brook or something. Yeah, hey, Johnny, I've shapeshifted into this like sick dragon. It's like, oh, really? Yeah, yeah, I uh, wish I could see it. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I can't, I can only interpret that. Yeah, you know, the light has changed.
2: Yeah, yeah, um. Yeah, this, this is the worst. No wonder they didn't survive. Yeah, good ideas. Hey, can we talk about KLF? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's talk about KLF. So you know the song, Justified and Ancient, with Tammy Wynette. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you know uh, much about KLF as a band? Didn't as they? A group? I All
1: I know is Doctor Who and that they burnt like a million pounds.
2: Yeah, so there's basically two of them are the main guys and mm. they burnt a million quid. They did like a whole tour of like a movie about it. Um there's the f- it was the film was called The K Foundation Burn a Million Quid. And they felt like they filmed it and it was this whole kind of spectacle of like, you know, this is we don't care about money and mm. not trying to be rich and all that. Did and they also they
3: earn the masters of all their recordings and stuff?
2: They said they deleted them, but now you can find all the recordings on Spotify as of like January this year. Oh really? Yeah, they bought them all back. So I don't
3: think I didn't know about that. Add them to a playlist.
2: Yeah, I did that when I was researching it. (laughs) So they did that. They also, um, which I didn't know about, I didn't know about, was a a performance at the Brit Awards. Were they shot with the guns? Yeah, it was in the nineties, and they they teamed up with Extreme Noise Terror, the like kind of grind crust band, Mm. and did like a full on like speed metal performance. What do you call that? Death metal. It's probably death metal. And then, yeah, shot fake AK-47s into the crowd at the end of it.
3: <laughs> that was like their farewell, right? That was like the, their last thing they did.
2: Yeah, they were like, uh, I think the last, uh, the loudspeak was like, the KLF have in- left the music industry. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you can't do that anymore. No, you wouldn't be you able to do that in not 2021. Do that anymore. <laughs> and it you was
1: quite
3: jarring. have to do that since 2020, uh, 2020 2001. Be honest, right?
2: Yeah, even then, like even in the nineties, I'm still like, it's a bit dicey.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's a little dicey. I was I was reading a Twitter thread. Oh my god, I was reading a Twitter thread, not a book, just a Twitter thread. Yeah, about but if you like, printed
2: it out, it might be as long <laughs> as a book. Yeah, it could be a PDF. Get around, dingbats is the first. <laughs> <laughs> it's up there with Charles Dickens. Yeah. Listen up,
1: dipshits! <laughs> uh, no, I was reading this Twitter thread. It was uh, someone talking about, uh, you know, what happened to popular music or what happened to the rock scene, and they had this theory that, you know, in the nineties when they changed up the uh, like the the laws around how many radio stations any one company could own, like Clear Channel bought up mm. all of the rock stations in America, and so it was just one guy picking what was on the radio. Right. Mm. And so you went from this situation in the like the early '90s where, like, the rock scene was a little crazy mm. like, and felt pretty loose, you might say, mm. uh, which is the sort of environment in which a KLF could be a thing, to being like this super bland, generic situation yeah, that we see uh, from
2: from the late '90s on. It's probably entertainment in general, right? Like. Small radio stations, small regional radio stations, are going to play their small regional bands. Yeah, because that's what's around them. Mm. Um, and like you know, TV stations and and cable TV. You know, you, you, people people are. There's only you can only have access to what's around you. And then suddenly, when you get access to Adele and her bloody satin earrings, <laughs> that's all you hear. Yeah. Well, it was it was like less that
1: suddenly you were. It wasn't that Clay was like democratizing things and giving people access to this stuff. It's just that it went from your local station played local music to your local station plays what some guy in like Atlanta or wherever decides the whole country should be listening to. Yeah. Um, In saying that though, rock and roll certainly
2: still exists.
1: Yeah. But that that is one sense in which KLF probably couldn't do stuff today. But also you can't a mock shooting in your concert anymore? <laughs>
3: yeah. Although they, you
1: can, you can have a, a a brass cover band and just piss on a dude's face.
2: So who's to say? Yeah. So this cover band, <laughs> yep. I know a little about this. And for people that aren't familiar, basically it, there's footage going around of this band, uh, the lead singer. Is the the band's name Brass Against? Yeah. Like like Rise Against, but they're brass. And who are they <laughs> opening for? They were opening for someone legitimate, right?
1: Yeah, I think that. I don't, and, I don't want to delegitimize brass, metal cover bands.
2: So I think they're like a ska. They do scar versions of like metal and popular songs or something. Mm. They do brass versions of them. Yeah, yeah. But like inherently, if you're doing a brass version of an upbeat song, you're pretty much just going to do scar, right? Yeah. Mm. You're going to get into that 1-3 rhythm? I don't know.
0: Uh, <laughs>
2: yeah. I'm just doing that, that one song. <laughs> Um. Anyway, this lady peed on it, like the the singer. She got a guy from the crowd and peed on him. He got up on stage, yeah. but then he clearly wanted to be peed on. There was a lot. Did you see the video?
1: Yeah, there was a lot d- of piss.
2: I don't feel like it was talked enough how much piss there was. That was that was the comments that I was seeing. So we okay, might, we good. might be in different corners of the internet. Yeah, everyone was just like, ah, oh, you know, deal with it. Like uh, it's rock and roll. and I'm like, are we are we <laughs> glossing <laughs> over this?
3: I'm trying to find
2: it. Um, I had to say that there was, because
1: there was a lot of dis- discourse around this hmm. where people were like, you know, because they apologised, which was stupid.
2: And yeah, they, the, the other the, band were like, ah, oh, the rest of the band were like, ah, oh, it's not not something we'd normally do. Yeah, this, this isn't
1: us. And I, she eventually apologised too, but it's like, how did in the moment of singing A Rage Against the Machine song, how did they come to the, like, This agreement that because the guy was clearly wanted to be pissed on, but how did they establish that? Because I didn't see that happening. Unless maybe he was like, "Can you give? Can you piss on me?" But then I feel like if someone came up on stage when I was performing and was like, "Can you piss on me?" I'd be like, "No." Like you'd be like, "No, I went before the show. I don't. (laughs) I don't have a bladder full of an enormous amount of pee." (laughs) It just it just seemed weird to me that we had this perfect storm. Of someone who wanted to be pissed on, someone who obviously needed to piss and was happy to piss on someone. And it just so happened that they came together on stage.
2: I feel like, um, sorry, I've just put the video in the chat for you. Yeah, I'm, I'm watching it now. Okay, cool. Um, I feel like that confluence of events doesn't happen at a Brass Against show. No. I feel like, you know, say if I'm if I'm at a um, you know, a, a, an extreme middle show. Mm. Yeah, of course that's gonna happen.
1: If you're at Jesus Christ the GG Allen tribute show at your local yeah, RSL, I mean, you would 100%. Ex- you would expect that. If, so, if someone gets on stage at the Jesus Christ the GG Allen tribute show and uh, lies down on the stage, like piss is the best you can hope for.
3: Yeah. <laughs> it, I feel like maybe she's just got some really fucking super strong pelvic muscles. Because it's it's a lot, right? Well, uh, yeah, I think it's the it's the uh, the pressure. velocity. Hmm. The the what's the what's the word when you're talking about liquids and velocity? Uh, we're talking about the water pressure, basically. The pressure, yeah. I think it's just there's just a lot of pressure there.
2: So I've just realised. So brass against are the ones that do the. Rage the Machine cover band. So they've been around for years. They do the um, Killing of the Name brass one.
1: Yeah. Which is a song that
2: lends itself to brass. Dun, dun, dun. I it, think so. Yeah. They he singing uh, the name? They, didn't, they, they didn't have a singer, though, at the time. Well, yeah. Now they've
3: got one. And hopefully they keep one. Uh, can I- the funny thing about this video is the bloke, like, leaning down and trying to scoop it up afterwards and <laughs> throw it out into the crowd. Oh, yeah. I didn't see, I don't watch that far.
1: He's sharing it around. <laughs> he's like, he's like, and
3: then he, and then he goes I up to the to foldback this. speaker and pinches a, a water bottle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and anyway, then she lays a towel down as well. Like, she's,
1: yeah,
2: at least she's too like late.
3: making sure no one slips on the stage.
2: Yeah. I was gonna say, too little too late, but really, she's protecting her own slippage, not him, <laughs> not the stage. At any okay. rate, so we would have to say that there's not that much to the island of Moo. That we- <laughs> oh no! So I'm not done with KLF because there uh, is there is a lot in KLF that is it is not unrelated to this.
1: Okay, because I was going to say it seems like there might not be enough to the to the continent of moo that we have to talk about brass against for this much time. <laughs>
0: so,
1: <laughs> so- for- I'd forgotten about KLF though. So back to KLF. So we agree, you probably can't pretend to shoot up the audience at
2: your no. shows
3: anymore.
1: No,
2: however, no matter
3: how fucking. How many bangers you put out.
2: Yeah. yeah. So they um, were named after a show that one of them worked on. Uh, I think it was called the Illuminati or something like that, like a stage show in the 70s. And from there, the, the guy has basically built this whole like conspiracy num- uh, numerology world into everything he does. So there's a uh, the the number twenty three they use a lot in all of their all of their work. Um, I'll run through some. This is from a, something I found on the web archive, the Wayback Machine. It's like uh, I'm not going to read it out um, what the full address is because it's really hard to read out. But all the incidents of twenty three, um, justified ancients of Mumu Moo Moo is twenty three letters long. Mm-hmm. The first single, all you need is love, was Jam's twenty three. So that was the original name, justified and ancient. Moo Moo's 23 Right um, 23 years Is a mighty long time Is a line Of one of their songs uh, 23 Is on the Jams mobile Slash form t- Ford timeline In the Doctor Who thing mm-hmm. so You know how they did Like a Doctor Who song Yeah, yeah.
3: Doctor and right. the TARDIS
2: Yeah uh, So that's the number Of the car It 23 A um, couple of other the pure, They did a pure Trance series Which was going to be Five singles And five remixes um, And And only two singles and three mix- remixes were actually released, 23. Mm. Uh, there's a couple more. Here's a little bit of blah, 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 Oh, that's right. When they burnt the money, they did it on the 23rd of August. Mm. And then they said, we're not going to talk about this for 23 years.
3: Right.
2: Uh, which they kind of reneged and went back. And one of them, the main guys like, oh. We probably shouldn't have done that. <laughs> yeah. There's <laughs> a lot of money and it kinda could could have bums have, us out.
1: Could've just spent well, yeah, we could have spent it on ourselves or we could've spent it on you know,
2: worthwhile causes. Yeah. And also burn it, they could have just spent it. Yeah. You like
3: know, through
2: money. Yeah. They could have done a metaphorical burning. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Could have just burned some paper and said it was a million quid. Um they there's a few other twenty threes in there. Oh yeah, one of their former band members is like then they owe me money. <laughs> this sucks. <laughs> I really wish they had a, I think he called it like rather than doing this wank art project, they should have paid me. Yeah, they probably should have, um, which is all fair enough. And I think they kind of went, ah, uh, probably a bit much. Um, that's right. They said um, they promoted that the Doctor and the TARDIS song sold over 1 million Illuminatis uh, at one point. And they, yeah, so there, there's always been an Illuminati theme running through a lot of their stuff. Right. And the guy's gone on to do other other things that are also tangentially related to this world of numerology and Illuminati. So it was connected to Moo. Like, you know, the Moo has been a central, central part of their, the, you know, it's their first name or one of their early names and all of that. Uh Yeah. It was actually kind of fun to read about, um, and there's, I'm not even done reading. I'm probably going to go back and read a lot more about them. Um, the fun thing about Doctor and the Tardis was they basically set out to make a song that would just go number one. They just like, all right, let's. I think they were like, well, let's do a remix of the the um, Doctor Who song, and they're like, oh, this sounds like a Gary Glitter song. So they mashed it up with, uh, you know, hey, what's that song called? Rock and Roll. Yeah, uh, and then they like, "This." They basically said, "This is the worst fucking thing we've ever made." <laughs> Incorrect.
1: And yeah. oh well, maybe it's the worst thing they made, but it's it's still a banger. Yeah. Also, I could I suggest for any pop band uh, setting out to make a number one song is probably a good good idea. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. They said, "Um, the quote from them that it was uh." rancid i'm not sure who who said this but pure unadulterated agony excruciating in a record so noxious that a top 10 place can be its only destiny <laughs> um I, I feel like that kind of song then certainly had a chance of like being a huge hit mm. like what what you like caught my yo kind of era what year, what year was that was it the same era no yeah. no you said yes, <laughs>
3: Yeah, <laughs> no, no, Doctor in the TARDIS was what? 1980. Hang on. Doctor in the TARDIS come out in 1988.
1: <laughs> when did Connor J come out?
2: 94. Yeah. So yeah. basically the same era. Well, that, that period. I feel like. 95. I've got. I don't. Can, can you still have a big song with a novelty song anymore? I guess charts don't exist, do they? No. <laughs> It was the crazy frog. It's just that was the last, the yeah, last of a dying nobody song. Yep. Um, anyway, yeah, and now no, it's
3: now it's now it's whether or not it becomes a meme, right?
2: Oh uh, yeah. Or you like make a, it a TikTok meme.
3: craze song.
2: Yeah, it's that not, makes sense.
3: Like you know, it's not whether it goes ballistic on the radio. It's whether or not people start doing thirty-second TikToks to like one little excerpt from it. Yeah. I'm, I'm cranking Doctor in the Tars no, right now, fair. by the way. That's it's still a banger. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Noxious though it may be. Um, another 23 thing that wasn't actually listed in the list that I had earlier. Um, so they had Tammy Winnett singing on the, so that was like the third or fourth version of that song they made, the Justified and Ancient. Mm. But the one that, that went famous with Tammy Winnett was almost exactly 23 years separated from her first, the first earrings of Stand By Your Man. Mm. Almost 23 years. (laughs) Yeah. And then also first earrings, which is like, that seems a bit wishy-washy, not when it was first released, when it was first aired kind of. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I I tried to try and find out why they teamed up with her, but it wasn't really clear. Who knows? The result was awesome. Yeah. Um, What was the point of all this again?
1: (laughs) There Uh, there were so many
2: 23s that I forgot. The, the KLF and justified in the ancient, uh, from just from Mumu land, is related to this topic. All oh, right. And we managed to stretch it out to almost 40 minutes. Good
1: show. Well, that is all we've got on the ancient continent of Moo, another racist continent. <laughs> the, the great thing about the ancient continent of Moo is that it's all of it's racist in the sense that uh, it's, you know, Saying, "Oh, it must have been white people doing all of this stuff that brown people did," but also, from what we've been told, there were just a bunch of like white dudes on this island, and it seems like that there, if there were non-white people, they weren't having a great time of it. So it's a racist continent just in, in and of itself.
2: Yeah, right. So you're saying I'm saying I'm yeah. saying the, the lost continent of Mu get cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit! This is the most. This, we found the the mother load of racism and continents. I'm calling it. There you go.
1: An, an Augustus Lee Plungian. What do you get a proper name?
2: jeez alright It seems a bit, <laughs> a little bit out of out of out of line. All right. So that is all we've got. Uh, if people want to find
1: us, we are on Twitter at Hypothepod. We're on Facebook. We are on Patreon. Uh, look up the hypothetical institute. Thank you to Tammy, our Cooked Thirty Three Dollar sponsor.
3: Thank you, thank
1: you, Robbo. Where can they get you, mate? Down the uh, down the gardens in Westport
2: with the yep. anti-vax mates, Queen Queen Victoria Square reading in the Westport. Book. Reading my book, I bet yeah, God, probably I bet you on time. No, <laughs> do, do you want to have a guess what Luke, who worked in a CD store circa two thousand, would have been reading? What's that? Any guesses, Cam? I reckon you could probably guess it.
1: Uh, Oh, were you reading that bloody book about CD stores?
2: No. Uh, I would have been reading probably On the Road by Jack Kerouac. Oh,
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> uh,
2: boo. Um, at Ale of a Time on social media, uh, it's probably about the best things that I'm doing at the moment and I'm not really doing much there. So keep an eye out for new projects. What book was I thinking of? Do you know the one? High Fidelity?
1: Yeah, High Fidelity. Right
2: i don't that, think i've ever read that
1: that would have been a bit on the nose to read but how cool were you working in a bloody record shop
2: yeah
3: and, and then you didn't know that someone would come in and go i want that album blah blah, and you'd be like yeah to the back and the
2: <laughs> i'd be like you know we, we don't have that that's a small town Yeah, <laughs> <a>, you really <laughs> overestimate our collection
1: <laughs> i feel like uh yeah you undid all of your coolness by being a nerd uh Salty? I mean, I was a
2: teenager. Come on. Where can I get you, Salt?
3: At uh, SaltMarsh on Twitter and Instagram and the salt on Twitch, where I'm doing art streams and playing a little bit of games.
1: And you can get me at Sexenheimer on Twitter. Yena uh, Pesaran is my radio show about the far right. And I've just did an interview with a journalist, Stephen Monticelli, from Dallas, Texas, all about uh, the,
2: the QAnon people in Dallas. Right Oh yeah We do. we aren't mentioning them On the news show But if you want to be part Of the Hypothesis squad Check us out on Patreon And you get the news show How's that yeah. Guys Is that good
0: Don't worry Whether or not Port Arthur was a false flag operation In which to disarm Australia I said don't worry About a thing I accept You can definitely hear John Lennon say I buried Paul at the end of Strawberry Fields forever Don't worry About a thing Except Not only did Bush do 9-11 But he also keeps the planes out in Area 51 Which Let's not forget where all the ideas are. Don't worry about a thing, except Donald Trump is clearly a woman, and you just